Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to a couple places if you would. Let's start in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you'd like to get ahead, we'll be in Philippians chapter 2, and then we'll land in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Peter 4, Philippians 2, 1 Corinthians 4, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Your Family Matters, It Really Does. Your Family Matters, It Really Does. You know, when we started this series a few months ago, I truly believed it was the direction of God that he had given us for our church. And now that we're coming to a close, I believe it even more. Our faithful and loving God is dealing with the root issues that are hindering his church today. God is dealing with the root issues that are hindering our church today. He's dealing with the root issues that are hindering you, that are, that are being used, that these issues in our lives are just propagating more division, more difficulty, and more hardship among us. They're holding you back and hurting you, even destroying some of your lives and faiths and marriages and families. Now, you might be surprised, though, that the biggest issue, the biggest issue you face is not external at all. The biggest issue you and I face, it's not political, it's not governmental, it's not even others and their decisions that affect our lives. The biggest challenge for you and me today isn't external at all, but it's internal. Your biggest challenge is you and the battle that you have between the flesh and the spirit. The Bible says that the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. The two are contrary to one another. Why? And what's the result? So that you don't do what you wish. And that battle is real. And in times like this, it's easy to be distracted off into other things and neglect your home and neglect your walk, and neglect your wife, and neglect your husband, and neglect your kids, and neglect your grandkids. Why? Because you're caught up in everything else. And the Lord is calling us back to a simple faith in Him. Listen, in 1 Peter chapter 4, I draw your attention to verse 12. Remember Peter, we just finished studying Peter verse by verse on Wednesday in our midweek Bible study. Remember, Peter is writing to a group of hassled, scattered believers under great persecution at the hands of the Roman government. They are being tossed to and fro in their lives and losing everything because of the government. And this is what Peter writes to a group of hassle believers. Listen, 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And then pause here. This is what I want you to mark. 
This is all important building up to this statement. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. In the midst of all these difficulties and all the choices that you and I are faced with, it is time, and I believe that time is now, once again, for judgment to begin here in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end, the Bible says? What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trials, In the midst of injustice and pain, it's easy to lash out in harshness and frustration and anger with others. Let's just be honest, church. It's easier to judge everyone else's family. It's easier to judge everyone else's marriage. It's easy to judge every other situation and to have opinions. It's much easier to look out and say, this is wrong and that is wrong and you are wrong, all the while neglecting, identifying the things that are challenging and wrong in your own life. It's much easier to say, no, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. Okay, what about you? Where are you in your walk with the Lord? What is in your life and in your home? Single, married, doesn't matter. What is it in your personal life that requires attention from you and repentance and humility? It's always sinful to spend more time being a busybody than it is just serving the Lord. And Peter said, don't, in times of trials, you're easy to become a busybody in other people's matters, neglecting even in your own. Listen, everything begins at home. Everything begins in your home and in my home. Everything ends at home. And the greatest choices that you can make is to both choose to surrender your life and home to the Lord and to choose to allow Jesus to build it. Just like we read in the Psalms. It is empty and vain if the Lord doesn't build your house and build your life. Jesus is committed to building your home. Remember, we looked in the beginning of the series, Joshua comes to the end of his life. The children of Israel have come into the promised land. The allotments that were promised by God have been given. And this is what Joshua says, Joshua 24, 15. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then he says something profound. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's it. As for me and my house, as for my leadership, my family, I need to choose to serve the Lord. Now, looking back on this, so much good has come from this series. It really has. So much good has come as we've been exposed to the teaching of God on our family. Marriages have been restored. Singles have been encouraged. Kids have been reconciling with their parents. There's been a lot of freedom and love and grace and mercy and help for all of us in our relational, in all of our relationships and our relational um, connections with others. And it's all been in the midst of a big time of difficulty and trial and, and a world in chaos and confusion. The Lord is at work among us. But I have to say, a lot of things have been revealed too that haven't been so encouraging. You know, we've lost a few marriages along the way. I mean, it's been super hard. There's been marriages that have dissolved that, I mean, you look at them and you go, that would never happen. But it did. We lost marriages. We've seen kids go prodigal. We've watched singles compromise. We've watched watched in-laws harm their kids or their grandkids because not everyone wants to put in the work 
Not everyone wants to match the word with the work to do things right. Not everyone wants to repent and admit they're wrong. Not everybody wants to admit, yeah, the world, yes, yes, dark, hard, hard but, but nobody wants to admit, yeah, you know, I am too. I've got issues that need to be addressed in my own relationship with God. And I want to do what's right, surrender my life to him. And so it's sad. But I can say to you as a pastor, I personally refuse to give up hope. I refuse to stop praying. I refuse to stop helping. I refuse to stop teaching and leading you to Jesus as long as God allows me. I will not give up hope. I will encourage you in the ways of the Lord. I will be available to help you and to tell you the truth about your life as from the word of God. And today, as we close up this series, I want to remind you that the burden is not on you. The burden is not on you. That God, he has a care and concern for you that he is with you. He's with you. He hasn't left you or forsaken you. And I want to remind you of a couple of truths that will comfort, strengthen, and energize you in your desire to lead your families and build your house upon the solid rock of Jesus. Here's the thing. You ready? You listen to a study like this, it's very easy to listen to these studies and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to do this. And this is what I need to change. This is why I need to change. This is why I need to change. And it's also very easy to look at your spouse and say, okay, this is what you need to change. This is what you need to change. This is what you need to change. And then to look at your kids and go, okay, you kids, you are way beyond, like you just get way over the top. And then you start adding this extra heavy burden. You can even call it like your own personal form of legalism where you must and you have to. And here's what happens. God never laid that burden on you. And when you study the word of God, that's not laying a burden on you, but your desire to do what's right becomes this legalistic burden. And before you know it, you're going to run off with the right motives. But the moment you fail, you're going to go right back into condemnation. You're going to go right back into, you know, discouragement because none of us live to the highest ideal that God has for us. None of us do. We need not only the grace of God to save us, but the grace of God to sustain us. It begins with grace. It continues with grace and it will end in the grace of God, his sanctifying, changing power in our lives. So I want to remind you of a couple things as we end so that you'll leave encouraged and be ready to adapt yourself to the will of God. Surrender yourself to the will of God so you can lead your homes in such a way that you will truly be a light in a very dark world. So number one, let's go over to Philippians chapter two. Would you, would you go over to Philippians chapter two and verse 12? And the first, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down and remember are just simply two words. Number one is no pressure. Say it with me, no pressure. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, no pressure. You have another neighbor? Tell them too, no pressure. As we come to all this information on the family, God is not adding to you any new pressure. There's no pressure here, but a reminder of God's thorough work in us. This is a key to a solid home. The key is truly to choose to rest and abide in Christ, to trust him with your home, with your marriage, with your singleness, with your kids. You need to learn to rest in the Lord. You can only lead your home with the resources of Jesus Christ, not your own wisdom, 
or your own power or your own strength. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, leaning not on your own understanding. The Bible speaks of a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And so if you take all of these principles and go, I'm going to do it, or do it, do it, do it, do it, before you know it, you're leaning on your own understanding and it's all in your own effort and that will fail. That will fail. No, there is effort on your part and it does require hard work, but it's in cooperation with the work of God already in your life. And that's what we learn here. Notice with me in Philippians chapter two, notice in verse 12 here. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Let me just say, sometimes I think we forget that it is God. We forget about his power and presence in our lives. We forget about the enduring presence of the Holy Spirit, both in us and upon us. That it is God. That's how it started when you were born again. It's God that's at work. We forget that God is working, even in the midst of our failures and our weaknesses. It's God. He's working in you. And his plans for you and your family are much larger than you even realize. That he sees great potential and is working in you, conforming you into the image of Christ. Listen, God loves you. And that work in you is out of love. He has your best in mind. His desire for you is to thrive in a very difficult world. And it's God that works in us. It's God that works in us. If you'd like to write in your Bibles in verse 13, I want you to circle that word works. And you can simply write next to it the English word energy. It is a Greek word here in the original language, energeo, but we get our English word energy. So what the Bible is really saying is that God is empowering you with the energy that you need to accomplish all that he has for you. He's the power. He's the power. I mean, you think about our, our phones here. Our phones are worthless without power. They're, they're worthless. They need to be plugged into a power source so that the battery that's in it will then retain that power. And then when we turn it on, it will deplete that power. The phone is worthless without power. And you can say that your life and my life has a worthless component to it without the power of God. We're just sitting there idle. We are endowed with the energy of God. I love that. He's working to accomplish things in your life. All the load, this is such a beautiful thing. All the load and all the pressure is off of you. It's something I wish I would have known earlier on as a husband and as a parent. Because in those early days, man, I just felt all that pressure. And I added pressure on me. I was so scared as a new believing parent in Christ. I was so scared that my kids would turn out like me. And I was so scared. I mean, I mean, they're a part of me. They got my DNA in them. And I was so scared that they would either turn out like me or worse than me. And in those early days, I parented that way. Until the Lord revealed to me that my kids belong to him. They're going to one day make their own choices and own decisions. And that I don't need to fear that they're going to become like me for one very simple reason. They're not me. And we praise God for that. They're different. They're unique. God created them in his image. 
And with the right care and the right love and the right help and the right discipleship, they will grow up to be the men and women that God desires for them. Yeah, along the way, as we learn, the kids can go to the left and go to the right, but we pray for them nonetheless. We train them and disciple them in the way that they should go. But I remember I put this burden on me, and that just made me all hyper about everything. And I didn't enjoy my kids. I didn't help them along the way. And one of the things I always share with parents today, and this is a word from the Lord, that you know when your kids go to the left or to the right, don't overreact. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you peace and patience and kindness to continue to deal with your kids as they grow up in love, in love. The thing that your kids need the most from you is to know that you love them unconditionally, even though sometimes it's up and down, left and right. There's no pressure. God has this for you. He's with you and in you. He's the very energy behind your marriage, your singleness, your parenting, your life. What that means then is all the pains, all the setbacks, all the sufferings, all the difficulties are in the Lord's hands. And he's working all things together for the good, for those that love him, for those that are called according to his purpose. But notice there's two points here that are very important to see the energy, how it's working out in your life. Number one, notice in verse 13, that God is the energy in your life to both to will, to will. That phrase simply means God gives you and me new desires, what an amazing thing, the new desires of God. A, a desire to be a better husband, a bad, desire to be a better wife, a, a desire to be a better parent, a desire to be a better kid, submitted and respecting, a desire to please him. God works that energy in us. I mean, you think about some of the things that you desire today for God. And you know, maybe 10 years ago, you're like, no, nah, man, that's the last thing I want. No, but God is in you now, working new desires. You come up with this desire. You know, I think I, I, think I want to go down to, to Denver Central Park and just pray for people. And you're like, where did that come from? The Lord. He's working in you. You know, I think I just want to, instead of driving by the homeless guy, I just want to stop, park my car, and minister him. Where do you think that came from? You know, I think I'm hearing about all these missionaries. You know what? Maybe one day, where do you think that came from? It came from the Lord. He's working in you. But notice not only that, not only is he working in you to will new desires, but notice he's also giving you the energy to do. He is the only place you will find strength and rest at the same time. He will energize you to accomplish his will in and through your life. So that new desire to go down and minister at the park is going to be met with a new power and energy to follow through. And of course, you're going to have to choose to cooperate instead of being lazy and in the flesh and going, no, I don't think that's, no, I don't want to do that. No, you're going to have to choose to cooperate. That's your role. Your role is to respond. God is always the initiator. You don't have to make anything happen. You don't have to, oh, I've got to do something. You don't need to worry about it. If you pray every day and read your Bible, God will reveal to you exactly what he wants you to do, where he wants you to do it, how he wants you to do it. Every part of it's covered by God. No pressure. I love that. There's no pressure. God is ready, willing, and able to minister to you. Sometimes you say, but Ed, I want a list. I, what do I need to do? How can I be closer to God? Let me show you a place in the Bible that you can pray over. Would you turn over Psalm 37? 
For those of you that just love lists and things to do, let me show you a list that would be very beneficial for you to pray over every day. Psalm 37. And it actually ties very well into our text today. Notice with me Psalm number 37. Let's pick up in verse 3. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Look at verse seven now, all this action. Then he says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. No pressure, church. God is with you enabling you, energizing you, helping you along the way. Secondly, number two, over in 1 Corinthians chapter four, I have another two words for you to remember at the end of this series. Number one, no pressure. Number two, be faithful. Say it with me, be faithful. Faithfulness, very important. And also another instruction that takes the weight off of our shoulders. Be faithful. Notice with me in chapter four now of 1 Corinthians, verse one, Paul writing to the church, kind of establishing that relationship, right? He's reminding them, I'm for you, not against you. Please listen to me. He says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. There's a couple words that are important uh, that you, if you haven't already marked, I want you to mark them. Circle the word servants. Circle the word servants. And next to it, write this word, under rower, under rower. I know it's not a popular word, but I'll explain it in a moment. That's really what the word means in the original language, in the Greek. Hooper under estes means, or ethes means rower. And the, the word is describing a servant or an attendant, but it really describes the under rower. The under rower was that slave on the lowest deck of the ship who rode obediently to the cadence of the drummer. Unseen, really unthought of, but the true power of moving a ship's progress. So right at the water level, there was a section in below the ship where each side would be, would be filled with men that were rowing, rowing to the, to the cadence of that drumbeat. And in your home, I, I think of no greater illustration for your home that the drumbeat of the Lord and the Holy Spirit is to be matched by your unseen, unnoticed rowing and serving of your family as unto the Lord. It's very important that you realize that the place of strength and leadership is actually the place of servanthood. That's what Paul says here. He says, I'm an apostle. I'm so important. Listen to me. He says, no, no, no. You guys need to remember we're two things. And the first thing we are is just servants. We're not interested in notoriety. We're not interested in popularity. We just want to serve you. Please listen to us. Please. Secondly, notice, they also are asking to be considered as stewards. Stewards. Again, another word we don't use. Circle that word steward and right next to it, overseer. Overseer. So you're an under rower and you're an overseer. 
You are that steady, faithful rower, servant of the Lord, under the radar, behind the scenes, leading your home, taking care of business, loving your wife, submitting to your husband, respecting your parents. And you're also a steward, a steward. A steward was a faithful, trustworthy man who owned nothing but controlled everything on behalf of his master. Doesn't that describe us? We own nothing. Nothing is ours. Oh, but Ed, I got my name on it. Oh, Ed, I got this in the bank. Oh, Ed. No, no, we own nothing. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. The Father of lights. We own nothing. And remember, we learned that, that even in our marriage, we don't own our spouses. We don't own our kids. Our kids belong to the Lord. Our spouse belongs to the Lord. Our single life belongs to the Lord. We're just stewards temporarily overseeing our family for the sake of God. It's for him. We're to please him. You notice what, what we missed in the end of Philippians chapter two was that God's working in us for his pleasure, not our pleasure. He's working in us for, to please him, to honor him. It's his glory. It's his name. It's not our opinions and it's not our convictions. It's him. To be open to a fresh work of the Spirit to please Him. And see, as, as ministers under rowers and as stewards, we also have to speak to the motive. The motive of caring for our homes, of bringing judgment in our homes, has to be love. It has to be love. Remember in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it spoke of their labor of love. And it's not just our love of God, that's second. The motive of our ministry and the motive of our oversight and the motive of our repentance and the motive of our humility is not because we love God, but more so because he loves us. <laughs> I mean, you've got to step back at times and just consider the goodness of God and his faithfulness. The Bible says that, don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance? I mean, what do we deserve exactly? Where were we headed exactly? Without the grace and the mercy and the love of God, where would we be exactly today? But because he loved us, the Bible says, and we live this out, because he loved us first, we love him and we love others. No other motive will carry you through the tough times. Guilt, manipulation, shame, none of those work. They're, they're horrible motivators. They're not to be named among us. You should never be manipulated to serve the Lord or your family. You should never be guilted or shamed to stay pure as a single or to love your spouse or to take care of your kids or grandkids. It's always the love of God. It's always his heart for you. He has your best interest in heart. He loves you and he loves me. And that's not a labor of law or trying to live up to some standard. No, there's not only no pressure, but all that God is looking for is faithfulness. Be faithful, church. Be faithful. It says in verse 2, notice, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. That's a requirement. A requirement in your life is mine that God sees faithfulness. And to me, this is such a huge relief for me. So much a relief to you. It's so life-changing. As a servant of Jesus, I'm not required to be successful, whatever that means today. I'm not required to be professional, whatever that means today. 
I'm not required to be farther on than you or better than you or any. I'm not none of that is required for me. What God is looking for from me and you is faithfulness. Be faithful, church. Be faithful with what you've been entrusted with. I believe a true definition of success spiritually equals faithfulness. Because even as you're faithful, all kinds of things can happen around your life. Even as you're walking along, you stumble and fall, you say something, you do something. You know, unfortunately, kids do make decisions that break our hearts. So success may not be all that we define it today. Success is messy and hard and difficult. Sin always tries to creep in. It's always knocking at the door. And our flesh, it's hungry. And sometimes we choose to feed it. And we get off ourselves. And, and, and that faith, these faithful, steady obedience involves admitting that we're wrong. Humbling ourselves before God. I mean, one of the powerful, most powerful things you can do in your home is to ask each other for forgiveness when necessary. When you've sinned against your wife or your husband, when you've sinned against your kids. I mean, parents, one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent is get down on your knees, look your kids in their eyes, and ask them for forgiveness. It's powerful. We all fail. And you kiddos, the kind of sin that you're carrying around the house, one of the greatest things, I mean, it will blow your parents' mind if you walk in and say, you know, Mom, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for whatever it was that you did? That, there's just love and joy, and peace, and patience, and goodness, and gentleness, and self-control waiting to flow through your life as you choose to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's powerful. There's no pressure, and God is looking for faithfulness. I love that in verse 2. It says required. Did you notice that? It's required. In the original language in the Greek, that can have two different meanings. The first one is exactly how the English translate it. That requirement. This is required, church. God is not looking for unfaithfulness, but faithfulness. Steady obedience. Steady humility. That's why the Bible, I believe, describes the, more often than not, describes our relationship and our journey with God as a walk. Because everybody has a different walk. Everybody has a different gait. Everybody has different size legs. So we all have a different walk with the Lord. But when we walk... Generally, we're going forward. We're making a steady progress. Well, that's how God would have you in your personal walk with him, to make steady progress. It's required. Yes, it's a demand. But there's a second part of this word, a second part. The idea is that we also, it's required demand, but also the, the word can be defined as seek. It's required for you to seek faithfulness. To want it, so you could, I guess you could do it two words, desire, demand, and desire. They're both included in this word. There's a demand for faithfulness, but there's also that need to desire it. That you just look at your life and you go, man, I want to grow in grace. I want to know Jesus more. I mean, it's simple things like, like I hope you took me up on my challenge last week. I'm going to read my Bible every day and I'm going to pray every day. Or maybe it's in the time of singing. You're going, you know, I'm going to learn that song. I'm going to download it. I'm going to let it saturate my life. I'm going to take it internally. And I'm going to learn from the Lord, from that song. I'm going to share it with my kids. 
I'm going to pray with my kids every night. I'm going to pray for my kids. Whatever it might be, there's this steady demand, but also desire that we can grow more in faithfulness with what God has entrusted to us. And so with that in mind, would you turn over to Matthew chapter 25? I find no greater way to end our series than listening to Jesus himself. Jesus giving this parable of the talents, he gives the conclusion. And I want you to pick up with me in verse 20 of Matthew's gospel chapter 25. And just let it sink in as if Jesus was telling telling this to you for the first time today in relation to your singleness, your parenting, your marriage, your friendships, your in-law relationships, as a kid respecting your parents, whatever role you have, listen to what the Lord says as a steward, as an underroar. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and, what's that word? Faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed, and I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I don't sow, And I gather where I have not scattered seed. Therefore, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he who has abundance, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness that will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty powerful choice to make. Faithful or unfaithful? Faithful or unfaithful? You can see that there's great benefits to faithfulness and great pain to unfaithfulness. And I love this because we said it with me. It's not well done, good and perfect servant. I'm grateful for that. It's not well done, good, and successful servant, I'm glad. It's not good and faithful, good and professional servant, I'm grateful for that. It's not good and rich, no, it's good and faithful. All of us can fulfill that, whether we have five talents, two talents, one talent, whatever it might be that's been entrusted to us, we're overseeing it as a steward, as an overseer, so that we can be faithful to what's been entrusted to us. We are overseeing it to be faithful to what's entrusted to us. And your family is the greatest treasure you have on earth. Your life, the people you're connected to, they're the most valuable treasure. You know, the most valuable treasure on the earth today is you. 
the greatest value that God ever put was on human beings, that he loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you so that your sins might be forgiven and you can be in relationship with him. You're the most valuable thing on the earth today. More than your house, your job, more than anything you might have in the bank or any title or position you might have, you are what's valuable to God. You're his prized possession. You're his treasure. And so today I want you to leave thinking about your family, no pressure, but be faithful. Make the decisions for yourself. You know, I look at this study and I say, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. It begins in my house. I have the privilege of teaching this, but I take this to heart in my own life. It's my house. That's the only one I have choice over. It's my marriage. I want my marriage to improve. I want my home to improve. I want my parents. You know, for me personally, the Bible is very clear that one of the requirements in my life, for me personally, for Ed, if I'm going to fulfill the role of an elder and a pastor in his church, that I'm to rule my own house well. That's, that's in the scriptures for me personally. So I want to fulfill that but not with pressure. I just want to be faithful. To rule my own house well doesn't mean I have a perfect house. Certainly, I do not. I have been praying for Marie for 30 years to be a better wife. And you know, she's been praying for me for 30 years to be a better husband. We pray for our children, and now then they're adults. We pray for them to be godly lovers of God. We pray for those that are connected. We pray for our grandson. We pray grace into his life. We pray over him regularly. The Lord is good and faithful in our lives. But I have so much error, so many areas. You might look at me and go, well, Ed, you know, your pastor, your marriage must be perfect. <laughs> it's perfectly messy. <laughs> Marie and I have been together a long time, 30 years, man. Woo, long time, long, long time, long time, 32 years, actually. Some of that was before we were saved, and most of it's after we're saved. And we still have strong disagreements. You might want to call it an argument, but it's strong disagreements. We still have pressure. We still have worries. We've been through a lot of things. Our marriage has been tried in the fire. Our home has been tried in the fire. But I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, all the things that we might have faced and all the things that we face currently today, I can say this, the Lord is faithful and he's good. And he loves me as much as he loves you. Maybe you're being tried by the fire right now. It's hard. Not only all the things going on in the world, but that's actually not your biggest concern, is it? It's the things going on in your home and in your family. But the Lord is with you. He loves you. He's working in you. He's the energy. He's the energy to give you desires and the energy to give you what you need to accomplish all that you desire. He's so good. If you just simply surrender him today, believer and unbeliever alike, if you just simply admit that you're not perfect, that you're not always right, that it's not always about you, that your opinions and your desires and your convictions and all, they're really not that necessary. They're not eternal. But what is eternal needs your full attention today. Yeah, God has pricked your heart about who you are and where you are. Yes. And the only proper response is to humbly come to him. Ask for his forgiveness and surrender afresh and anew to all that he wants to do. These are the last days, church. They're the last days. Listen, even if they weren't the last days for, for the, 
global prophetic word of God. They're the last days for you. You're not going to live forever. You only have a certain amount of time on the earth. For many of us, we have more years behind us than we have ahead of us. We want to run our race well. I want to finish. Not only do I want to finish my race, but I want to take as many people with me as possible. I want to be very laser focused on what's important to God. Because what's important to God is important to me. And I'll tell you, the greatest importance of God is you. Is your life and your home. You, you want to see the darkness dissipated in a culture? Be the light of Christ. You know, the world's going to be the world. It's always going to be the world. It always has been the world. But the church must be the church. Living life, abiding in Christ, trusting him in all things. So Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word as it relates to very closely in our homes and our lives. Like Joshua, we desire... As for me and my house, I do want to serve you, Lord. And I do want to improve as a friend, as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad. Every role in my life, God, I want to grow in Christ-likeness. I want to grow in humility. I want to say less dumb things. I want to, I want to walk in humility and forgiveness. I want that in our church. I don't want it just in a room, but I want our church to permeate. I mean, I want everyone listening, God, everyone that's listening. I want us to permeate our culture with love and grace and mercy. I want us to be an attractive witness for the gospel. And we have so much, Lord. It's easier to judge everybody's family, but really we gotta, we gotta take care of our own. Just examine our hearts today. Your word says in the Psalms, I, Try me and test me, Lord. Reveal if there's any unclean thing. Would you do that among us today, Lord? Will you do that, those listening to this, just like, yes, I want my family to grow. I wanna, I wanna be all that God wants me to be. Just bless them, Lord, as they hear it. And I pray for us now, for those that have never surrendered their life to you, that you would move upon their hearts, bring great conviction of sin, but also draw them to yourself with cords of love. And I would just say, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do just that. And you say, Ed, I need to follow God. For the, I, I just, that's what I need. Like, that's the beginning of it all. I want to be born again. I want my sins forgiven. If that's you, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. I want to pray that God would change your life from the inside out. Just like Jesus Christ said, the eternal son of God came because he loves you and gave his life for you. And he is worthy to be followed. He's worthy to surrender your life. God bless you guys here in the front. Anyone else that would say that's me? I, I recognize there are people on the radio, online right now. We don't see you, but God sees you. God bless you in the back here. God bless you over here, right here in the front. And I'm acknowledging you because I want you to know you're seen. God bless you guys in the back and online, downstairs in the overflow. I mean, you're out in the overflow in your distance and you have face covering and God still got to your heart, huh? <laughs> None of that stuff stops the work of God. He is on the move. And he loves you, drawing him, you to himself. This is the day, church. God bless you. This is it. This is why we live. This is why we pray for our church. This is why we pray for our pastors. This is why we pray for our lay leaders. Because God is moving. God is moving. God bless you in the back, you guys, both of you. 
So the Bible says this, okay? This right from the Bible. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to help you with that. It's required now in this relationship with God that you admit that you've sinned. There's a Bible word for that. You might have heard it before, that you repent. Bless you, man. That you repent. That means to turn away. It mean, it's the idea of going in one direction and you take a U-turn and go the opposite. You need to do that with the behaviors and lifestyle that you came in here with. So I want to lead you in a prayer where you talk to God so you can confess out loud with your mouth, okay? So you can repeat after me. You can say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe he rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I turn my life away from sin and I follow, dedicate myself to following you all the days of my life. And Father, I pray for anyone here, near and far, so many in the room, but also so many that we don't see, that you are drawing people to yourself in these days. And, and I just pray that it's real and genuine and true and, and there just be a true outpouring of your Holy Spirit in their lives, that you've obviously touched them. And now we pray, God, that we could come alongside of them and help them follow you. So bless them, encourage them, as we rejoice with the angels in heaven over the newness of life in them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.